0: Amen. Amen. Sit up on the edge of your seat. Get ready. Hungry. We're going to have a five-course meal. But first got some hors d'oeuvres. And then we'll have some dessert at the end. Listen, if we can get excited about natural food, why don't we get that excited about spiritual food, you know? When I go to a nice restaurant, I'm willing to wait an hour to get in. You know, they tell me, hey, you got to wait an hour. I'm like, hey, I'm here. I'm not moving anywhere else. It'd take me 30 minutes to find another restaurant. I'm just going to stay right here. Are we excited about the Word today? It's the Word. It's the whole Word, nothing but the Word. So help us God. 1 Samuel chapter 17. But before that, I'm going to lay it out a little bit. Last week, we talked about being brave as Joshua was brave when the Lord told Joshua to be strong and of good courage three times in almost the same breath be strong and of good courage, be strong and of good courage, be strong and of good courage and Joshua turned around and said hey guys in three days we're going up from here over the Jordan we're going to take the promised land and you know what they said back to him Joshua be strong and have good courage So. Being brave is not only having faith, but using faith. We learned that last week. Go back and listen to it, review what the Lord is doing in our church and our heart. Um, This week we're going to talk about David, and I don't think that you can approach the Word of God and, uh, and look at the topic of being brave and not talk about David. Um, I'm thinking, you know, I was thinking, I'm just praying, Lord, what was the bravest thing that David did? And so I was thinking about my own life because, I mean, you can read the word and you can say, well, that's good for David. (laughs) That's good for Joshua. But what about me? What are some of the brave things that I've ever done? I mean, does that count? Let me tell you. some of the bravest moments of my life I don't know some of them maybe were I I just fell into some of them maybe I chose to get into but um, I believe we all have what it takes to be brave. I've been shot by a taser 50,000 volts just because I wanted to. Not because I was in trouble with the law and they were shooting me. (laughs) No, because as part of a chaplain uh, the, the police chief said to all the officers, Hey, um, we're going to be carrying tasers now, but in order to carry a taser, you have to be shot by a taser. And I'm sitting there as a chaplain, you know, I just pray for the guys. And, uh, so they're going around the room and they get to me and I said, yeah, I'll be shot. They're like, Oh, you No, no, really? Yeah. So I would show you the video, but I don't have time, but I have been, and it's, crazy. (laughs) As I'm going, uh, I'm thinking, did I really want to do this? Uh, I've been in the water about three feet away from a water moccasin when I was a teenager. And the guy I was with, he said, you saved my life. You saved my life. Um, But, you know, I've been on a plane over the Atlantic when an engine went out and had to turn around and come back and land. I've been in a plane landing in a crosswind snowstorm landing in Chicago at O'Hare and we slammed down on the runway. Bam, bam, bam. Maybe you've been in a plane like that before, but I was just praying for sure. Uh, I I flew over the handlebars of a mountain bike on a trail and uh, I just missed a tree head on by about an inch. Uh, And I like this one. About... 34 years ago, I stood before God and my family and I pledged my life and my love to this beautiful woman that I call my wife. That's pretty brave, right? That's pretty brave. Guys, hey, you're brave, right? Come on. Hey, bravery doesn't have to be cutting off the giant's head, you know? You're standing up, declaring, By God's help and God's power, I'm going to take care of my family and do what's right. Um, It reminds me of a story when we were in Italy, and we decided to go to the beach one day. And so we packed up everything and headed to the beach, and I forget how old Elizabeth was. Gosh, she couldn't have been more than seven, eight years old, something like that. And so we went down to the beach, and um, we're coming back from the beach. Maybe some of you heard this story, but probably have, if half of you haven't yet. But <laughs> coming back from the beach, we parked on the street and it was, I don't know, 300 yards or so, 400 yards and was around the corner and around the fence. And, and so we packed up and we're headed back to the car and I, about halfway there, I heard this, and the more I thought about it and the closer I got, I thought, that's my car. So we sped up a little bit And I'm holding Elizabeth's hand and as we got around the corner, Pastor Sheila saw this man had busted in our window of our car and stolen a bag out of the back seat. And before I even knew what was happening, Pastor Sheila was cutting a path across the street. She didn't even look to see who was coming. I thought it was a movie. She went to the guy, ripped the bag off of his shoulder. He turns around, didn't know what was going on, and starts running the other way. So if that's not enough, she starts taking out after him. And I'm like, what's going on here? What are you going to do? I mean, you got your bag back. (laughs) Talk about being brave. So you remember that? (laughs) so here's the point guys you don't have to be a hero to be brave but you have to be brave to do something heroic right so many events in David's life uh, display his bravery but probably the most the, the, the bravest event was when he went up against Goliath and it was a turning point in his life. You know, he had, if you, if you go back to 1 Samuel chapter 16, he had been anointed as king, but he was just a boy, a boy king that had not stepped into that office. Uh, Saul was the first king and then uh, Samuel anointed David as Saul's replacement. And so David was a boy. He was a shepherd boy. He was the youngest boy out of eight boys that Jesse and his wife had. And so he was like the smallest. They sent him to do all the things that um, were menial or less than, right? He was just a shepherd. He He was out in the fields. And, you know, does anybody know where David is? No. Do we care where David is? No. You know. All the older brothers, we're we're the real ones. And David is just, he gets all the scraps, all the leftovers. But that isn't how God saw David. And he had a plan for David's life. I'm going to begin reading, uh, and I'm going to read the whole account. I may stop at a couple of points here, but it's 1 Samuel 17, starting with verse 1, all the way to verse 51. And I know it's, it'll take a few minutes, but I think it's worth it. Listen, you can take my word for what the word says, but it's better if I quote you the word. I believe as I read the word, you're going to see things that probably I don't even mention. Right? Verse 1. Now the Philistines gathered their armies together to battle and were gathered at Sukkoth, which belongs to Judah. They encamped between Sukkoth and and Aska and uh, Ephas Daman and Saul and the men of Israel were to gather together and they encamped in the valley of Elah and drew up in battle array against the Philistines the Philistines stood on a mountain on one side and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side and a valley in between them and a champion went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath whose height was six cubits in a span. Now that's almost 10 feet, 10 feet, almost. He had a bronze helmet on his head and he was armed with a coat of mail. And the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. That's about 125 pounds. And he had a bronze armor on his legs. And bronze javelin between his shoulders. Now, the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his iron spearhead weighed 600 shekels. That was about 15 pounds. And a shield bearer went before him. You know, he had to have somebody to carry the shield. I mean, can you imagine? He's got 125 pounds of armor on and carrying all of this stuff. Incredible. Incredible. Then he stood, and he cried out to the armies of Israel and said to them, Why have you come out to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and you are the servants of Saul? Choose you a man for yourselves, and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine said, I depart. Defy the armies of Israel. I defy the armies of Israel. Where was I at? And now, give me a man that we may fight together. Verse ten. Give me somebody that I can fight. Then 11, when Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were great. they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Notice that Israel was in fear. The devil walks around like a roaring lion looking for somebody that he's able to devour. And actually the Israelites were in rebellion to God by being in fear. Because in Deuteronomy chapter 1, Deuteronomy chapter 31, and then back in Joshua chapter 1, The Lord commanded Joshua and all of his descendants to be strong and very courageous. And to shrink back from the enemy who doesn't have a covenant with God is to be in fear and to be in rebellion. Verse 11 says, Now David was the son of Epaphrite of uh, Bethlehem, Judah, whose name was Jesse, and who had eight sons, and the man was old, advanced in years in the days of Saul. The three oldest sons of Jesse had gone to follow Saul to the battle. The names of these three sons who went to the battle were Eliab, the firstborn next to him Abinadab, and the third Shammah. Verse 14, David was the youngest, and the three oldest followed Saul into battle. So David was not in the army. He was just a shepherd. He was he was under 20 years old because at 20 years old, you had to go in the army and fight. And so we know that he was under 20. It doesn't say exactly how old he was, but we know he was under 20. But David occasionally went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. And the Philistine drew near, that's Goliath, and presented himself forty days morning and evening. Forty days. This army, this Israel, Israelite army was in fear for forty days. They heard the same thing for forty days. For forty days. Forty days. Everybody say forty days. Forty days. Forty days. Forty days. Don't allow the enemy to talk to you for forty days. Okay, that's good. <laughs> Verse 17, then Jesse said to his son, David, take now for your brothers an eph of this dried grain and these 10 loaves and run to your brothers at the camp and carry these 10 cheeses to the captain of their thousand and see how your brothers fare and bring back the news of them. So he was taking this charcuterie board. Anybody know what a charcuterie board is? It... Y'all know what a charcuterie board is, and he was the the server, the waiter, bringing this cheese and I thought it was funnier than you guys did. Okay, just stick with the text here. (laughs) David, he was just bringing. Oh, and his dad told him go give go give him a hug and tell everybody, tell him that everybody at home's thinking about him. Right? This is all we can trust David for. Take this charcuterie board to the guys on the front lines and give them a hug and tell them everybody's thinking about them, find out how they're doing. Right? David did not go to the front lines to kill a giant. Right? David was prepared, but he wasn't forewarned. You know how God warned some people in the Bible? This is going to happen, and that's going to happen, and this is going to happen. Like Joshua, you know, be strong and be of courage. Like Gideon, there were certain times where God... War- but David was just minding his own little business. Gave up the sheep to a, a substitute sheep herder, or a shepherd, right? Taking the meat and the cheese. How are y'all guys doing, everybody from home? Mama and them send the love. You know, <laughs> verse 19, and Saul and, and they uh, and, and they and all of the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. Verse 20, so David rose early in the morning, left the sheep with the keeper and took the things and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the camp as the army was going out to fight the battle and shouting for the battle. For Israel, the Philistines had drawn up in battle array, army against army, and David left his supplies in the hand of the supply keeper, ran to the army, and came and greeted his brothers. Hey, bro, how's it going? Then as he talked with them, there was a champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, coming up from the armies of the Philistines, and he spoke according to the same words. So David heard them. He kept saying the same words 40 days. Hey, send me somebody. Send me a guy that I can kill so you guys can serve us. Right? The devil is loud and proud. He doesn't give up. Come on. David heard them. That's very important. David heard the threats from the enemy. Verse 24. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. So the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who's come up? Surely he's come up to defy Israel. And it shall be that the man who kills him, the king will enrich with great riches and give him his daughter and give his father's house exemption from taxes in Israel. Wow, they wanted exemption from taxes way back then. How about that? You know, probably, you know, that was a perk. I don't know. They were taxed 25%, 35%, maybe 40%. But they wanted to be exempt. Anybody want to be exempt from taxes? Hey, kill the giant. (laughs) I don't know. Let's think about it. I don't know that that was a word from the Lord, but... (laughs) Verse 26. Then David spoke to the men who stood by him, saying, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine? And... Takes away the reproach from Israel. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Pause the video right there. David, I believe, from this statement, is more interested in this Philistine who doesn't have a covenant with God defying Israel and God's people than he is about receiving some reward. Right? He's identifying this uncircumcised Philistine. And by calling him that, he wasn't trying to offend Goliath. That's just the way it was. The reason that Israel was circumcised is because they had had a covenant with God. right. Right? So that is what it signified. And so David was making the distinction here, he wasn't after the reward. He saw somebody coming against Israel, and he didn't like it. Verse 27, And the people answered him in this manner, saying, So shall it be done for the man who kills him. Now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger was aroused against David, and he said, Why did you come down here, and with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and the insolence of heart, for you have come down to see the battle. And so his brother Eliab discourages him, discourages him right, for coming. And David said, verse 29, What have I done now? Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? Underline that in your Bible is there not a cause? Now some other versions say some other things but when he when he was confronted by his brother and then he turned around and asked the question again he was not backing down from his brother he would not back down He wanted to find somebody that saw what was going on. Because here they were for 40 days hearing the same thing and looking at the same thing and not doing anything. And so David said, is there not a cause? Verse 30. Then he turned from him, his brother, and toward another and said the same thing. And these people answered him, as the first ones did. So the question was the same and the answer was the same. Verse 31. Now when the words which David spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul and he sent for him. Saul sent for David. Then David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him, because of this giant Goliath. Don't be afraid of this uncircumcised oath over here. Your servant will go and fight this Philistine. And Saul said to David, You're not able to go against this Philistine to fight him, for you are a youth. And he is a man of war from his youth. So Saul was against him. His brother was against him. And probably the whole army was saying by this time, Who does this guy think he is that he can drop his sheep off to an assistant shepherd, come over here with the meat and the cheese and threaten this giant. I mean, can you get this clear picture? Who does this little runt think he is? We've been here for 40 days and nobody can stand up against Goliath. Not even Saul. I'm jumping ahead of myself in my notes a little bit, but Saul was the first king of Israel. He was head and shoulders above all of the normal people in Israel. And if anybody should be brave in all of Israel, it should be King Saul. And here is Saul saying to David, hey, dude, you're going to get killed. What are you talking about? You're not able to do this. But here, verse 34, David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the out of the flock, I went after it, just like Pastor Sheila, (laughs) and struck it, and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it rose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them seeing that he has defied the armies of the living God. Again, he's underscoring what this uncircumcised Philistine is doing. He's defying the armies of God. He's defying God himself. And basically what he's saying is you guys are going to sit here and let this guy talk to us like that. But he 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 wasn't even a part of the army, right? Right. So you can see all of the army probably probably saying like, whoa, you know, we need to move away from this guy. He might get struck by lightning here. You know, Who does he think he is? <laughs> Verse 37. Moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. Well, King Saul was convinced. Hey, bravery shows up. It's not just a thought. It's not a form of a a warm, fuzzy feeling. You can hear it in somebody's voice when there's bravery. And King Saul agreed with him. And when two of you agree together, hey, watch out. Verse 38, so Saul clothed David with his armor. Saul had his his thought. Hey, David, if you're going to go out there and get killed, you might as well get killed in my armor. Maybe, maybe it will save you. He put his armor on him. And he put a bronze helmet on his head and also clothed him with a coat of mail. David fastened his sword to his armor and tried to walk, for he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I can't walk in these, for I have not tested them. So David took them off. And he took off his, uh, he took his staff. Instead, he took his staff in his hand, and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook and put them in the shepherd's bag in a pouch which he had, and his sling was in his hand. And he drew near to the Philistine. So the Philistine came and began drawing near to David, and the man who bore the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was only a youth, ruddy and good-looking. And so the Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Huh. That may have taken a long time depending on how many gods he had, right? (laughs) Verse 44, and the Philistine said to David, come to me. Come on. Come on, dude. And I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. And then it was David's turn. You know, the enemy talks his trash. But then you have a chance to say something. And if you don't say something, oh, he just won. Look here, verse 45. David said to the Philistine, Hey, you come to me with a sword and with a spear, with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. (laughs) Ha ha. Now, now we're talking, yes. you bring your goods, I'm going to bring my goods. <laughs> the name, and the name. Verse 46, this day, the Lord, this day, the Lord, this day, the Lord, not the shepherd boy, who was the boy king, not, the, not, not David, but the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, all the, that all the earth may know, here's the purpose, that there is a God in Israel. David wanted all the earth to know that there was a God in Israel. And that was the cause. He said, is there not a cause? There's the cause. Verse 47. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. And so it was when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, that David hurried and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. Then David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone and he slung it and struck the Philistine in his forehead so that the stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran and stood over the Philistine, took his sword, the Philistine's sword, and drew it out of its sheep and killed him and cut off his head with it. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. Right? The wicked flee when nobody pursues. Ha ha. Ha ha. So how do you like them apples? Look what God did. Through a boy that just carried the cheese tray to his brothers. Ha ha ha. How about that? (laughs) <laughs> so there's three things that David said that were intriguing to me there, listen there are so many points in this we could go from now until next year on this one account there's three things I believe that David said that were really significant you can follow along in the notes you can get to them slash 6-13-21 or you can write them down here or you can go back Number one, in verse 29, David said, is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? I think what he was saying was, doesn't anybody care? Doesn't anybody give a care? Hey, Israeli army, this dude's been saying this to you for 40 days and you haven't done anything yet? doesn't anybody care is it someone going to do something about this David asked twice he asked the question twice well, what's gonna happen to the guy who kills this dude <laughs> do you think that he thought that he could possibly kill Goliath absolutely who it now tell me again what this guy's gonna what this guy's gonna get because this guy's dead this this Philistine that's defying God and talking bad about us. David was not going to be discouraged or humiliated by his big brother and turn around and go home. So here's a question for you. Have you ever had anyone close to you that has discouraged you from being brave? Did you listen to what they said? Did you back down? Because they said, uh, you can't do that. Well, who who do you think you are? You've never done anything like that before. What makes you think that God would let you do that? David wasn't thinking about getting some reward as much as he was thinking about the covenant relationship that Israel had with God and David was willing to stand up against the enemy. And David was asking the obvious question that those guys had overlooked for 40 days. Who is this guy? And we have, a, we have a covenant with God and why doesn't somebody do something about this? It's time to be brave. It's time to be brave in the days that we're living in, in 2021, guys. It's not time to go cower down and hide out And pretend like things don't exist. You know, his older brother was saying, hey, you need to calm down. You're in the wrong place at the wrong time. What you need to do, what you're supposed to do, you're supposed to be taking care of those little bit of sheep. You need to get out of here before somebody gets hurt. You're going to run off your mouth and he's going to come over and kill all of us. You know, we we were going to give him one. But this dude's going to come get us all. Listen, don't let people steal your bravery. Don't let people steal your bravery. If God's called you to do something, it's time to stand up and do it. Regardless of whether people are with you or not with you. (laughs) If you've got a little couple of pieces of cheese and a loaf of bread, whatever. Fish and loaves, Jesus used it. Right? Right? Does anyone care enough to do something about what is happening? Is somebody going to be brave? You remember last week I told you about the, the physical education teacher in Virginia, Tanner Cross, that went to the school board and he made his case and he says, I'm not gonna lie to these children and tell, tell a, a, a young boy that just because he believes that he's a girl, that he's a girl. I'm not gonna do that. And so they put him on administrative leave. Well, guess what? He was reinstated. He was reinstated. Hallelujah. And on top of that, his bravery to stand up against these policies, he stood up against these policies bravely, and parents came to the meeting last week. I forgot what night it was, maybe Tuesday night, but they, they went on for four hours, four hours of public comments. On this situation so what they're saying now in Virginia is ground zero for all of this gender stuff in the schools because somebody somebody is going to be brave you know we're all sitting around going somebody ought to do something will somebody do something will somebody just do something maybe that somebody is you or me right is there not a cause? The second thing that David said that was intriguing to me. The Lord will rescue me. Verse 37. The Lord will rescue me. Saul discouraged David by telling him, hey, you're too young. You know, Goliath? Goliath has been fighting since before you were born. This guy's a professional fighter. He can beat anybody. Nobody wants to fight Goliath. And King Saul said, David, uh, you're, in, you're in the wrong league. Listen, don't be surprised when people that should be brave are telling you that you can't do it. Some people that should be brave that should be doing some things aren't. But that's okay. That's okay. Because God will use whoever he needs to use. Whoever's willing to say Here am I, Lord. Here am I. David said, hey, the Lord will rescue me. What he was saying is, I know who the Lord is, and I know who I am, and I know who the enemy is. And the Lord has empowered me before, and he will empower me again. And in verse 47, David said this, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you, talking to Goliath, into our hands... And so David knew who he was speaking on behalf of. When you know that you represent God, there's a supernatural boldness that comes on you. To be brave and be strong, for the Lord your God is with you. He is in you, he is with you, he is for you. And then Saul tries to get David to use his armor. He, he gives in. So King Saul says, okay, that's, that's good. But here, let me put this armor on you so that, you know, at least you have a chance of su- surviving. And David's response to that was, I, I, first of all, it doesn't fit me. And my trust is not in the armor. My God, <laughs> my trust is in my God and my God's armor, which is greater than your armor. What you practice in private, God can use in public. David pointed out that he killed the lion and the bear. So showing yourself faithful when nobody is looking will prove your bravery when everyone is looking. Showing yourself faithful when no one is looking will prove your bravery when everyone is looking. The third thing that David said that was that really hit me out of this was in verse 45 he says I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. David had to use his voice. He had the sling he had the rock you know I mean he practiced. This guy went to the the rock range instead of the gun range you know. He had his sling he had his rock he probably set up targets He was the rock-slinging champion of Israel. But nobody knew it because he was out there all on his own. There was one person that did know it, God, right? So what we practice in private. But then he had to use his voice. He had to say to Goliath, you're coming at me with all this stuff that you have and all of this paraphernalia and all. You, you, you're looking to intimidate me like a roaring lion without any teeth. But let me show you, let me, who, let me tell you who I'm coming at you in his name, in his place. I'm standing in his place. You have, uh, God will give you the words, but you still have to speak them. We have to use words against the enemy. Think about Moses going up against Pharaoh. Moses would go back and meet with God, and God would say, okay, here's the plan. You go to Pharaoh, and you tell him this. He would go. He would tell him that. Come back. God would say, okay, here. Here's some more words. Go and tell Pharaoh this. Guys, when we're going up against the enemy, we have to, we have to be vocal. You can't just win your battles in in, in, in your mind and stay silent, That's right. right? You have to number one speak to the obstacle. Jesus taught us this too. If you had faith as as a seed of a, a mustard grain, you would say to this mountain, "Be thou removed and plucked into, uh, be thou removed and plucked up and thrown into the sea." It would obey you, right? We have to say it. Everybody say say it. You have to speak to the obstacle. Number two, you have to remind your enemy who is with you and who you're with. David said, God is with me and I'm with God. So you don't know who you're talking to, basically, right? You can hear him saying that with what he's saying. You don't know who I am. You think I'm this shepherd boy that just carries cheese. (laughs) Hey, and throws rocks. You wait. Come on we're going to feed you and the whole army of the philistines to the birds of the of the air and the beasts of the field and then the third thing that we have to say with our voice is we have to prophesy the enemy's defeat and that's what david did he said you will be defeated you will be defeated we just sang about victory we just took the cup of victory and we have to stand and say with our mouth, Satan, you'll not have my marriage. You'll not have my children. You'll not have my health. You're not going to have my community. You're not going to have my church. Satan, back off in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I come to you in the name of Jesus. Not in my name, but in the name that's higher than yours, greater than yours, greater than mine, greater than everybody's name. I'm not standing in my own strength. I'm standing in the strength and the power of God. And when we stand up bravely and boldly and we begin to talk, talk to the enemy, then we have to be ready to take action to back it up. David didn't just have a big talk. Oh, he had a big talk, but he had something behind the talk. He had to put his money where his mouth is. And we have to do what we say. That's called integrity. It's doing what God wants us to do when nobody's looking so that when we get in front of everybody, we, we are victors instead of victims. It's one thing to have faith. It's another thing to use your faith. James says faith without works or faith without actions is dead. Now, many people today, because we've been hearing this message of faith, many people today have learned how to talk the faith talk Oh, I believe, I believe. But when are you going to act on what you believe? Like I said before, don't put up with the enemy touting you for 40 days, saying what he's going to do to kill you and saying what he's going to do to kill everybody around you before you decide to do something and put your faith to action. You stand up and you say no, no, not here, not you, not never, ever. Right? Amen. People that, that talk a good faith talk have got the first part down real good. I know the scriptures and I can quote the scriptures backwards and forwards. I've read all the books. I've watched all the videos. And they can quote what all the big people of faith have said. Oh, so-and-so said this and so-and-so said that and so-and-so said this. David could talk the talk of faith, but then he could walk the walk of faith. Walking the faith walk is being brave enough to do what God wants you to do when he wants you to do it. Right? David was called. He was anointed as king, but he still had to go into the battle and engage the enemy. Right? I think so much of the time we play these computer games and we're sitting behind the screen. We're not, we're not sacrificing anything. We're just controlling things on a little screen and we think, oh, (laughs) they'll just, they'll, my army will just do what I tell them to do. Oh, you got to engage. Listen, if we don't engage the enemy, he will run roughshod right over you. We have so many scriptures. that that tell us this. It can't be all talk. We have to show some action. There's too many people in the church today that want to ignore the enemy, pretend like he doesn't exist, or just pray him away. We'll just pray the enemy away. But no, we must resist. We have to resist the enemy. James 4, 7 says this, New International Version, Submit yourselves to God, then resist the devil... And he will flee from you. So we have to do something. It's just not automatic. It's not automatic. And it's not God's job to send the devil away from you. Oh, God. So it's, it's a vain prayer to pray. Oh, God, just send the devil away. Just send the devil away. Just send the devil away. God says, hey, pick up my word. Put it in your mouth. It's a two-edged, two-edged sword. Use it against the enemy. Use it against the enemy. Oh, but pastor, it's tough. I Yes, we've lived a life of faith for 44 years. Hey, but we're all required to do it. We're soldiers in the army of the Lord, right? Didn't he give us his armor? Didn't he give us his name? Yes. Didn't he give us his blood? Yes. Didn't he give us the Holy Spirit? Yes. We've got what it takes. We just need to step one more step into bravery. Bless God, I'm going to do it. I've been listening to the devil talk, his loud talk, and taunt me and tell me how he's going to take this and how will be bankrupt and broke and sick and how he's going to kill me. No, we have to draw the line, stand up and say, no, absolutely not. Not here, not you, not never, ever. Right? We have to resist. Resist is active and not passive, the Bible doesn't say, sit down, and the devil's going to flee from you. We've we've translated it that way. Just sit down. That's not resisting. Resisting is active. Standing up, putting the armor on that God has given us. Ephesians 4.27 says, do not give the devil a foothold. Do not give him a foothold. Because if he, he gets one inch, he's going to take a mile. We have what it takes to shut the door on the enemy. We have what it takes to shut him out of our life and to go chasing him out of other people's lives. The Bible says that Jesus was manifested so that he could destroy the works of the devil. Destroy, everybody say destroy. Destroy. The works of the devil. Do you believe that? Do you believe that you're in Jesus and Jesus is in you? So then that has to be some of your mission. To destroy the works of the devil. I I look around and I see a bunch of works of the devil. It shouldn't it shouldn't make us run and go hide like the is, Israeli army. In fear, it should get us stirred up to say, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that's doing all of this? Hey. Ephesians 6, 11, New, New Living Translation says, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. We can read that scripture backwards or go the opposite and say, if we do not put on all of God's armor, we will not be able to stand firm against any of the strategies of the devil, Right. Do you believe that? We've got to put on his armor. That's action. That is an action. We have to take action. Putting on the armor every day is taking action against the enemy. And then last scripture here, 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9 from the Passion Translation. Are you guys excited? Are you brave this morning? Do you feel your blood boiling? Are you setting your faith on that nasty Goliath? That is, has been hounding you and beating you and taunting you and telling you you can't do it, you shouldn't do it, you can't do it, and the people around you. Quite frankly, listen. Some of you may need today to just ask the Lord how to do it, but sever some of the relationships that you have. If people are going to continually bring you down, oh pastor, uh oh, pastors, get, he's going there. You've you felt it already in your heart. I'm gonna, I'm just going to tell you. You have sensed it already in your heart that you need to cut off some of the relationships that you have. That does not mean that you can't love people. You can love people and walk out of the door. Okay? your friends I'm talking about. If you have a marriage, you need to work it out. I'm not talking about your marriage. Come on. Don't go there. You need marriage help? Come. We, we will help you. We'll walk through the fiery furnace with you. God's on the other side, but listen, there may be some friendship relationships that they've been hanging on to you because they need what you have, and they're telling you, no, you couldn't do that. God God doesn't want you to do that. They're keeping you from being brave. Those Those are the relationships that you need to examine, and maybe you need to just say, Lord, help me to sever a few of these relationships. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Am I talking to anybody? Okay. You need brave people around you in order to be brave. 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9. Be well balanced. This is the Passion Translation. Be well balanced and always alert. Means open your eyes and your ears. Don't go to sleep. Don't hide under the covers. Because your enemy, the devil, roams about incessantly. That means non-stop. Like a roaring lion looking for its prey to devour. Verse 9, I like this. Take a decisive, decisive, that means make a decision, to stand against him and resist his every attack with strong, vigorous faith that takes bravery, strength, courage, faith, you got it. Everybody point to yourself. Say, I have, I have. the measure of faith. The measure of faith. God, believes in me. God believes in me. There you go. If God is with you, he believes in, in you, he's for you, you're not going to fail. You're not going to fail. Even if you're under 20 years old and you just have some loaves and cheese. God trusted the battle between the Philistines to a young man, played a harp, looked after a few sheep, and could work a slingshot. Think about that. We have the faith, guys. We just need to step, take a brave step, to be brave. To be brave.